There we go. Hi, Zach. Howdy. How you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Uh, much better than yesterday. You you were not festive and patriotic I, yesterday? I tried. Uh, just wasn't feeling great. Could it have um, been too many festivities on the third? Could have been a little brown bottle <clears throat> flu from the third. Yeah. That's uh, all right. That's, I mean, that's as American as uh, snake pops or bottle rockets, well, all that other stuff, right? I, I blame you a little bit. Blame me? Oh, yeah. I mean... No, no. Grown men. <laughs> Let's qualify. <laughs> True. Two, was two of the three of us are. Yeah, but I, I, we, we had the lovely privilege of interviewing Shep Messing yeah. on Monday afternoon uh, at Amsterdam Tavern. They have libations there. Oh, they sell I don't beer? I know if you know that. Yep, really? They sell beer and whiskey. And whiskey? Uh-huh. Well, and let's go back. So we had some of those. <laughs> and then we decided, you know what? We should go somewhere else, too. So we went to the arena bar yeah. in honor of Shep Messing and, and, and In the John shadow, Ebert. the old shadow of the Checker Dome. Right. You could still smell it, I think. And there. I wanted to see you guys play ping pong. And Jared and I got into it. <clears throat> ping pong. Uh, he kicked my ass twice in a row. Um, well, now you put that on the air. I did. He knows. Yeah. It's whatever. Um, so yeah, it was good. And then met some other buddies later on and just had a good time on Monday night and yeah. had to kind of take a little easier on, uh, on the fourth. That's all right, man. All you look, paying more attention to your forefathers than right. your refills. <laughs> That's not a bad thing every now and then. <laughs> no. So good on you. Um, you mentioned just a second ago, previous episode, we always give you guys a little recap. Thanks for tuning in again, by the way. Uh, we, had the, we had the privilege of sitting down and chatting with the Shep Messing. Um, if you don't know who he is, just look it up. Read his wiki page, and you're going to be like, what the what? Yeah. Um, you know, he dropped some stories hitchhiking from the Bronx, from New York, where he's from. Uh, to come to St. Louis to try out for the Olympic team, which he happened to make. And he went to Munich with uh, St. Louis's own Al Trost and others. And it starts there, and then it only gets better. So go check it out. Great episode. Uh, today we're going to have fun with a local uh, high school uh, power that be in the Ladue area. Just, I just gave it away. It's on your screen, too. The Ledoux area? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it I, narrows it down it, a well, little because, bit. Because, look, the private schools have kind of their own, like, spheres, worlds that are truly defined by their brands. As I get a text from Terry Mickler, yeah. And public schools are different. It's true. They are. It's a flag. It's a geographic. Yeah, this is our fiefdom. Fundamentally different, yes. And we're going to be talking to... A fiefdom leader. Yeah, I love today. it. Today yeah. it's gonna be fun. Um, but we're gonna kick off with the new to the show, the Pinnacle Loan guys uh, helping support the show. We've come up with this brilliant concept called the Pinnacle Points of the Day. Yeah, super simple. Um, it's just whatever's on our mind. And Zach, while you start with yours first, we're gonna dial Jared in. We're gonna dial in Mr. Jared Bertrand because he's got a day job. He does. So I. I have one that's firework related and it's such a crappy analogy, but Josef Martinez for Inter Miami in the 90th minute versus Columbus crew does a scissor kick in the penalty box to put the game away. It is one of those 
iconic goals that's just going to be replayed <laughs> over and over throughout the year. And it happened on 4th of July. So that's my big point of the day was goal of the day, Joseph Martinez for Inter Miami, fireworks all around. Did you enjoy that? I did. <laughs> well, and it's kind of cool hung over watching. I, mean. I, I was, but I, I also think, man, it's good that somebody else is getting some limelight down there in Miami, you know, well, two weeks before the world changes. Why? Uh, some Argentinian guy has been playing in Spain for a little while. Is coming over. Hmm. And, Heard of him. And in Paris. Yeah, he's not bad, is he? Mm-mm. He's going to sell some jerseys. <laughs> what do you want to bet? Probably a few. Yeah. Um, Might be up there. Yeah. All right. So I, 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 have, I have a few here. My, my pinnacle point of the day, uh, uh, 2A, would be also MLS related. That would be, did you see the attendance number for El Trafico? 80 something. 82,000 plus. That's insane. For a regular season MLS game at the Rose Bowl. Why were 78,000 of them LAFC fans? Um, <laughs> Not Galaxy They're fans. really good at Mark. I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe Galaxy fans are still pissed that Beckham's in Miami now. I don't know. But, I mean, that's that's an insane number. That's I don't huge. care what the sporting no, event is. I mean, you, you're, you're pushing... On, for all intent and purposes, weekday, right? It was Tuesday. Yeah. Yes, it was the Fourth of July, but this that game was moved too. This was the makeup date because of the early uh, storm or whatever, right? I believe. Yeah. Um, Eighty-two thousand people. That's that's incredible. That's great for the game. I don't care who the teams are. You put that many people in a stadium, celebrating, watching enthusiastically. That's good for the sport. I agree, hundred uh, percent. My two B. Which this is, this is where I go off the rails. First one, stayed on the rails, talked about soccer a little bit. Second one, uh, 4th of July, one of the longest standing traditions in true gluttony, Ugh. gluttonous American style, the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest Yep, was postponed yep. due to weather. Yep, they can't eat in the rain. Are you telling me there's no indoor facilities that no. people can eat hot dogs in? No, those, those tables are set up in a very strategic way. And they can't just move that inside. I don't get it. It was I, it, when it, when I saw rain delay. I'm thinking, how is this possible? You don't have tents. You don't. You know. You don't have a barn. I mean, shouldn't people be eating hot dogs in a barn to begin with? I just wonder if people that <sighs> planned it ever even had a contingency. Like it's never rained before, so there's no possible way. Yeah, because God loves the Fourth of July and cased meat. I thought it would be an advantage to like Joey Chestnut because he likes his buns wet anyway, right? <laughs> like everybody, like could the, you just let the rain on these hot dogs for ten minutes before we start? That'd be great. It was horrible. So gross. By the way, it's fine. You like it? That's cool. I, I, no judgment. I don't. I I don't. Like How, it. it is impossible not to judge people that enjoy hot dog eating contests. Okay, it's true. Yeah. Like literally, you if somebody says. Walks up to you and like, hey, how you doing? I'm Zach, blah, blah, blah. I like to golf in my free time. And they say, well, I like to eat hot dogs. Well, not just eat hot dogs. Swallow them whole. Yeah. At 68 in 10 minutes. Rinse down with bread-filled water. Ugh. Yeah. And, uh, but hey, you know, he's a millionaire and I'm not, so. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> 
slight de- technical difficulty on the dial out. So I'm going to fill in for Jared's third point here, which was going to be my 2C. Um, getting back into soccer, and that is uh, officially today the transfer window is open. Open for business. You can go out and you can get new players midseason. Yep. Uh, City has, has held their cards pretty tight to the chest uh, as to what their plans or no plans are. Um, care to speculate? Because I legitimately don't have a guess. I don't either, and I don't think that there's going to be much movement. I just don't. I think we've got depth. We've, we've shown, even with Klaus and Leuven out, and Nilsson still hasn't played yet, and we're still in first place. Mm-hmm. We're still pumping out players like Aziel Jackson and Sam Adineron. And I mean, it, it just, we keep producing players that produce on the field. And right. so I don't know if we, I'm sure there are needs that we could fill with somebody who's open. Well, I mean, frankly, return re, players returning from injury after this long, kind of like transfer additions. Right. That yeah. you don't have to pay for. It's a, it's a needle in the arm when Leuven and Klaus come back. And yeah. if we ever get Nelson on the field. Who's that? He's the, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's a DP, right? He, he's one of the, our DPs. Uh, hasn't touched the field yet. Not well, lucky him, he gets to join the first place team. Yep. Post so, break. you know, I, I'm excited to see how he does, but nothing yet. It's crazy. So I don't. I honestly don't think there's going to be a lot of movement for City. I just don't see why. Okay. Unless there's, a, 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 a like I said, a, a superstar out there who's just begging to come be on a first place team because they think it's right, their only shot yep. at the playoffs or something like that, and, and it won't be disruptive. But well, that, I, don't, I don't see it. So given that's the extent of our knowledge when it comes to this, I'm going to give a shout out to a few other podcasts locally that if you are listening to this episode and you actually want to learn more about that. <laughs> people that are actually connected to people who know things. That spend the time yeah. researching. Yeah. Fly over footy. Check yeah. them out. Matt Baker. I think he spends, I don't know, probably 87 hours a week on this. I, dude is, yeah. <laughs> He's Him, embedded. Ball watching. Those guys, yep. they're going to give their takes as well. Go check it out. Um, so that wraps up the pinnacle loan pinnacle points of the day thanks chris and bill uh really appreciate the sport uh we'll have jared back next time for his points and what we're going to do now we're going to take a quick break and we're going to roll in with our guest and again you've read your dashboard or your phone you know who it is so look forward to that we'll be right back in just a second a little glory days by the way do you know why i'm playing glory days I'm assuming theme fourth related. Oh, high school. Oh, yeah, got it. <laughs> no, I don't. Good thing you didn't miss that one. No. We'll be back. Yo, Jared here. Remember the pool pandemic of 2021? I was infected. I needed my own oversized oasis in Winslow. I needed a simple solution to pay for it. So I reached out to my favorite undefeated CBC freshman standouts, Bill and Chris, at The Pinnacle Loans. Long story short, I have my pool. It's a flipping hammer. The loan process with those guys was so simple. Even I did it. Now, every time I get in my pool to drink ice cold beer, I can thank the team over at ThePinnacleLoans.com. That's ThePinnacleLoans.com. 20 and 0 as freshmen? Really?
movie. Oh, you like that? Oh, did you hear that Ooh. little stereo? What do you think? You like this one, Zach? Yeah. It's uh, the Keller Anderson. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Oldest, getting ready to head off to Belmont. This is his most recent release. Check it out, people. I like quick. the pan. You like that? The stereo. Especially in a car. Yeah. Whoa. Right? You like that stereo effect? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it goes back and forth. Yeah. If you've been listening too, just turn it up a little bit. You can hear that guitar go back and forth. Yep. That's Sam Castro, oh. CBC grad Saw him. this year. Saw him heading to KU Dunkirk. and then uh, Keller and J Cab, two slew kids, produced it, wrote it, recorded it. Not bad, huh? No, it's good. Leaning into this whole high school theme here because on the mic with us, we got Mr. Dave Ehrenberg. Hello. How are you, How are you Dave? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, my goodness. Oh, <laughs> well, we got more people walking in here. Everybody knows Fans. everybody. F- a former player right here in the middle. <laughs> oh, very cool. <laughs> right on cue, which, you know what? We didn't mention that at the out- outset. Zach, where are we? We are at OB Clark's. We went in Brentwood. Old school. We went OG to OB's. OG. Yeah. Uh, and apparently, Dave, you, uh, you like I mentioned, and probably <laughs> 70% of Gen Xers in St. Louis lived in Brentwood Forest as well. So this There's- was your... Local watering hole? There was a two-year span where I called this home, like everyone else around our age. So so was it a rotation of chicken wings, pizza, and Bud Lights? Yeah, and we were here when, you know, the Blues would have their post-game here, so we would come and, uh, you know, mingle with the Blues players afterwards. My wife and I are big Blues fans, so that was, it was pretty cool to be this close. So, n- name some names. Who were some, what what years were a bl- Blues well, players? one that sticks out was Kelly Chase. Now, he wasn't playing anymore, but ah, okay. as a broadcaster, he came out and we, we had some... How many times did you fight him? <laughs> you know, <laughs> zero, because that would have ended really poorly. That would have ended smart, not, smart not well on my smart side. choice. <laughs> So this would have been early 2000s? 2000, like, nine-ish. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So let's let's go backwards. We always do this. We we either start at the finish line or we start at the starting line. And with you, I think it's important because today's conversation, we're going to dig into uh, your bread and butter, specifically high school soccer. Uh, We're going to get into a little bit of the high school club world. Um, and you're in a unique position because you're one of the coaches in the in the metro, metropolitan area that you're coaching both sides of, of the game. You've got the girls in the spring and the boys in the fall, correct? Yep. yep. So let's let's kind of like set the baseline here. Uh, give us a little bit of uh, 101. You grew up here, you played a little bit, and then transitioned into you know getting getting to Ladue. Sure. So I, I actually went to Ladue High School. I graduated there. Um, played soccer there. Uh, graduated in '99 from Ladue. Um, went on to Wash U. I walked on to their soccer team. Uh, played JV on the Wash U team. Got to practice with the uh, with the Wash U team. Um, my my years playing ended freshman year. Um, <laughs> uh, Joe Clark, who's still there, I love Joe Clark. I have no animosity towards him. But in the middle of a practice, he stopped. Literally stopped practice. And he was like, son, I don't think this is going to work out. <laughs> and, and, that, and that was the end of my playing days. Um, so you were so inspired by that moment, you were like, I want to be a coach too. <laughs> yeah, that actually came, that came up in my, in my coaching interview because, you know, we have, to, we have to make cuts in right. high school. Right. And it is, it's by far the least favorite part of my job. And I've been on 
the the other side of it. And I told the kids that I was like, you know, guys, like I've been cut before. Like, right. And let and me my tell story, you my story. And my story is probably worse than any of your stories are going to be. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to wait till after practice, and I'm going to give you a defined time right. that I'm going to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. I'm not check gonna, this. I'm not going to do this in front of all the players. Um, yeah, and I, you know, that it's a funny story, and I, and again, I don't even know if, if Joe Clark would. I don't. I doubt he remembers me, and it, it's not. It's I really. Well, I have think, no animosity. I, I, I don't. I don't know Joe. We haven't had him on the show. But he's, yeah, he's coming up, so I we think, will be able to ask him too. <laughs> and he's going to say who? It, <laughs> yeah. What I want to know is this a pattern <laughs> that were you an outstanding incident, or was it a series of kids who were just chopped right in front of? the whole team. Wait, are you saying was it a pattern of me getting cut everywhere? No, 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 you? not you. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. The 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 other kids at the no. time, were, yeah. were there anybody else that had the walk of shame? I to my knowledge, and again, I think <laughs> at that as soon as that happened, I think, you know, you kind of have blank yeah. blank mind, but I was the only one on the chopping block on okay. that on that okay. given day. It's so. almost like a Machiavellian moment where he's like needed to motivate the team <laughs> and there was a sacrificial lamb. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. And I believe you yeah. that was you. Wow. And you know what? I loved there's so many more things and I think we're gonna get into this a little bit in our talk today. Like I truly believe you know, kids grow up and they, they play soccer and then they think like this is this is who I am. Soccer is who I am. And you know, soccer's something that you do. For for more than ninety nine percent of yeah. soccer is something that you do. And I think it's important that, that kids have an understanding that this is not your only this isn't it, you know? Yep. Um, and I think we'll probably get into that as we start talking about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, well, in your case, I mean, let's, you know, from 10,000-foot view, and, and, and we've literally, we just met 20 minutes ago in person. Yeah. We've had a handful of uh, spirited debates, uh, friendly debates on Twitter about some of these topics. But, I mean, you went to Ladue High. Clearly, you had the grades because you got into Wash U. You had enough wherewithal and ability to at least try and walk on, and you went and did that. You know, so uh, I mean, to your point, you're, you were kind of living the reality of there's more than the game, right? You know, through your own path. I mean, is that is that something that you uh, try to uh, you know pass on to your current players? Big time. So well, how, I, how do you I manage think, that expectation? And my parents didn't know anything about the soccer world. I mean, I didn't even play club. I played zero club growing up. Um, you know, and, and we were all in the same era. I mean, club back then was, it was select. I mean, you, oh yeah, not everyone made club. And I actually got asked to play on a few different occasions, but I played basketball too, and I enjoyed doing multiple things, and I just never, I never got into it. Um, but I, I always tell my kids, you know, and, and these kids I feel like are getting pressed earlier and earlier with making bigger life decisions. For and sure. I, and I really try to impress upon them that, you know, like, Remember, this is just something that you do. This is, but but I I went when I went to college, I walked on because I just thought that's what you do. Like, hey, I played soccer since I was four. Like, yeah, like why am I going to stop now? You know. And then I got there and I realized well, there's a lot of things I'd like to do at WashU that have nothing to do with soccer. And I still played club and intramural. You know, like there's other things that you, sure. there's other avenues out there. Um, but I, you know, I think a lot of times these kids when and I've talked to kids in high school all the time that. It almost feels like, well, yeah, I'm just going to keep playing soccer because that's all that they have done, you know. So, so, so let's connect the dots between Joe's infamous cutting <laughs> and and going to Ladue High and taking the reins as uh, you know as the coach there. 
what what drove you to want to stay in the game, uh, continue to learn the game, coach the game, you know, connect the dots between yeah. Wash U and Ladue High. So I, I graduated from Wash U. Um, I had my teaching degree. Um, went back to Ladue. They had a, they actually had a basketball opening, um, and my the coach that had coached me in high school was still the coach. So he hired me on as the freshman coach for basketball, and the AD, who also knew me because he was still he was he was there when I was there, um, he said, "Hey, we also have, you know, a soccer opening. In fact, boys and girls." And I was like, "Oh, sure." So I mean, I jumped straight in um, to coaching year-round at Ladue. That was that was actually my. And in fact, I coached for a couple years before I got a full-time job teaching. So I was a substitute okay. for a little bit. I was a teaching assistant um, while I was doing the coaching thing at Ladue. Um, and you know, I started the JV level both sides. I missed Becky Sauerbrunn by a year, which was, that's like, (laughs) I could have, I could have coached Becky Sauerbrunn if I was there like a year earlier, but what what year did you start? Um, so 2005. Okay. So it might've been two years that I missed her. I'm trying to think when she graduated. I think she graduated in 2004. So I, I think I missed her by a year. Okay. Um, so but yeah. So, so when you so when you got into when you got into to that world and you know you you see that your career your path you're going to be at Ladue you want to stay at Ladue and here we are in 2023 you're still there you're now running both programs you know going through having not played club having you know kind of limited advanced level experiences what what was it about high school soccer and you know in engaging with the kids that became that magnet for you because realistically most people uh coaches that that we all know they kind of came from the game you know usually a little bit more embedded uh, very few of them are actually like the true basketball coach that's turned into a soccer coach right. x's and o's talk a little bit about your style and kind of what generates that passion for you with both programs i and so this was a big conversation with my wife um I never saw myself as just a teacher. I knew I wanted to teach, but teaching and coaching to me always went hand in hand. Um, and I could never see a situation where I would teach without coaching. That, to me, they were always one and the same. Um, I, I, I teach sixth grade, um, and I think it's so cool to then turn around and, and coach high school. I, I get to see a lot of the kids that I taught then later on. Um, but the connections you make with the high school kids, is it's so strong. It's so cool. We had an alumni game. Uh, a couple weeks ago and it's just it's it's just that to me that's like the best moment yeah um you know the wins are great and there's all this other stuff that's really great but like to see the kids and the impact that you've made after the fact is what keeps me going for sure so you started you started on the women's side of the the program um correct well both both at the same time but i was the head coach of the girls since 2011 got it and now he's the head of the boys starting in 2014 so okay So, again, that's another thing, as I mentioned earlier, that's not usual. Um, What what do you you like about it? Like, let's just start there. What what is the fun part about coaching both the men and the women? They are, they all, the the kids always ask, well, which one do you like better? That's always the question. That was second question. (laughs) That's always the question. Um, They're different. I mean, and if you want to give me fingers, (laughs) since we're on an audio podcast, like one for boys, two for girls, feel free. Blink once. Um, Truly. And I know this sounds like a cop out, but they're, they are truly different. They really are. And they're, and they're both fun in their own ways. Um, 
I think the the challenge has always been what keeps me going. I, I like the challenge uh, of coaching high school at a public school. I think, as, especially as we go further back, that was more challenging than now, and we can probably talk about that a little bit as we go. Uh, the the level the, the playing field has leveled, I think, a little bit as as the years have gone on. Sure. Um, I, again, I just think every year the camaraderie that is that that happens with the team, the the family atmosphere that we have on both the boys and girls side is is second to none. Go ahead, Zach. No, I just think that y- you touched on it about teaching going hand in hand with coaching, and I think a lot of people who played high school sports know that that's the case. But I don't think that many people understand the life of a high school, especially a public school teacher and coach and how you don't have to get into the dollars and cents of it. (laughs) But a lot of teachers literally just chose coaching to supplement their income. Doesn't mean that they don't like what they do or that they don't enjoy the process. But a lot of them chose it because, well, shit, I can make an extra three grand this year if I take on this assistant coach for water polo. Yeah, but if you're doing this for money, you, you've picked right. the wrong profession. Agreed. So <laughs> I, w- I would love to hear your perspective on the lifestyle, because you've got young kids, mm. uh, you're married, and it's it's a grind. And I, I don't know if people really understand that part of it. So can you walk us through a little bit, not not at the day in the life of Dave Ehrenberg, because that's just, that's so difficult to do, but just kind of walk through, you're teaching sixth grade at a middle school, and then you leave straight from there to go, Yeah. you know, just talk through that a little bit. So my wife jokes that um, there are two seasons where she doesn't see me. I mean, really, the, the fall season and the spring season, I am going till 1 a.m., and I'm not even, that's not hyperbole. I, you know, wake up, I teach. There's all the stuff that goes into teaching, lesson planning and grading papers and all that stuff. Uh, as soon as school ends, I'm going to practice. Um, practice ends 5, 5.30. Um, now, back in the day, see, and again, I think this is part of my basketball background. I really, I really dove into scouting. Okay. And I think scouting, yeah. I know I know from playing soccer that scouting was not a huge thing when I was growing up. No. Like coaches didn't scout. Well, we so we've had uh, both Coach Mickler on. We had my alma mater, Gene Baker from Granite City on. And there's a small group of those OGs uh, that that was their thing. They literally coached the game more like a basketball team yeah. where there was a whiteboard before yep. every pregame. They would scout, yeah, and they, and they were. I don't think it's a coincidence that you go back to really the, you know, the mid early seventies through the eighties and nineties in particular, where they dominated, for for, you know, largely because of that. So to hear that you here in twenty twenty three and really these last few years, that's pretty cool to know, because the talent is off the charts, right? Yeah. So there's a difference between bringing in a bunch of good players and creating a roster or a lineup right. and scouting and having a strategy. What, what is, what is the Ledoux? What is the coach Ehrenberg strategy? You know, what do you look for? Do you, do you create a strategy based on the players or do you have a system that is Ledoux's system? I always create it on the players. And I know there are people that say, Oh, this is my system. And like, I'm going to have kids that fit it. Well, I, I don't think at Ledoux we've always had the luxury of like, you're going to fit into our system. So at Ledoux, you've had different luxuries. Yeah. yeah. Usually <laughs> called median income. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there's, so there's years that we have 
a ton of really good forwards. Well, you know, that's going to change the formation that we're going right. to employ. And so I, I'm definitely not someone that is like, we're this formation and you better fit into this formation. Um, and I've switched it up a bunch. You know, for a long time, 4-2-3-1 was my preferred. I'm kind of 4-4-2 is kind of my preferred right now. Um, I've done 4-3-3. Three, three. I mean, we've, we've, we've run the gamut, but it depends on who we have. Uh, I, my favorite is a 3-4-3. Three, three. I used to run that with the girls, but you have to have the horses to do that. Oof. And there's a lot of a lot of times that we have not had the horses. So are you, are you, you going to implement a City SC high press now? Run nine hundred miles. Not, I will say, I, I would say on most most years we run high press, and I because I do think one thing that Ladue has traditionally is we typically have good athletes. Yeah. I don't know if we're always the most skilled, but but we have good athletes. So that that's one thing that we you try can run, to. You can run. We can run. Turn it into a track meet. Go ahead, Zach. No, I just I I love that part of it because I do think. And I've, I've learned a lot from a lot of different high school coaches, teachers. My wife is an assistant principal, has been for 15 years. So I've met coaches like you that do the extra, do the scouting, do the video, do, you know, uh, the prep. And I've met coaches who yeah. don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's system. They're system coaches. Yeah, and, and, and it's, it's refreshing to hear the passion and... I will say most of the coaches that I've met are in your camp. They really, truly love it because they're not doing it for the paycheck. Right. It's not, it's not worth that. I mean, it's worth it, but the dollar amount doesn't equate to 10 the, cents an hour. Right. Basically <laughs> they're doing it for the pension, Zach. Their pension has nothing to do with coaching. The last three years, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, it right. adds on top. That's nice. Yeah, all those sick days. Oh, where'd those come from? Yeah, so <laughs> I, mean, I know we're going we're gonna to dive into the academies and how you mentioned how things have changed and gotten a little more challenging. Um, obviously, you and, and JB have had some, some lively discussions about this topic. Educational circles. Yes. That's what they are. So I would love your perspective. Uh, we had Velton from Webster Groves. We've had Terry. We've had uh, Baker. We've, we've talked to people in the clubs. We've gotten different perspectives. But um, I would love just to hear your point of view because you have both sides. And what I mean by that is Velton, I don't think he coached the girls. No. So for him, his only exposure on the public high school side was the boys, which right. is absolutely affected by well let, let, let me let me i i'm actually going to hijack that just for a second just for the sake of timeline here because i do want to get way deeper into club versus high school what i want to talk about and this involves timmy as well is the st louis landscape the high school landscape sure. soccer landscape leading up to you you said you graduated 99 yeah correct mm -hmm. okay so realistically up into the mid 2000s it was still the big four to big six. You you had CBC, Desmarais, sure. Luviani, et cetera. That year over year over year, they were going to be the horses, you know. And and there was there wasn't a lot of parity. There was there were those schools, and then for the most part, there was everybody else. Right. And then if you happen to be a public school, you were even further down the list of everybody else, just because of the way that St. Louis soccer existed and was structured. But through the what I would consider the uh, advancement of club of academies a lot of that has started shifting players around a little bit more and now over the past 15 years you've seen a Webster High School you know they've got uh, through three or four state yeah, titles three, in that time I frame three, yeah. 
you guys are becoming more competitive. Summit, um, Zumwalt, yeah, Zumwalt, uh, Rockwood Ro- Summit. Yeah. So, so you can see where I'm going with this. What What do you think, in your opinion, is is leading to or is the main kind of stimulator that is creating more parity and allowing public schools to be more in the conversation and be more competitive against the old guard of the the purely private schools? Well, I think clubs, to be very honest. Like, when I first started coaching, our varsity team would maybe have three kids that had played club soccer. I mean, that was... And so we had athletes, and we, you know, so we took these athletes, and we tried to make them into soccer players. Um, but as clubs became more inclusive to... You know, if you want to play, you can play pretty much, which is kind of what it is at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, kids are playing. They're playing a lot more soccer. So now on my varsity team, like if you if you aren't playing club, that's you're Rare. you're an anomaly at that point. <clears throat> um, and there might be some kids by their senior year that have stopped playing, but they've played club all their way through. You know, um, and so that just again just playing year round. Whereas it used to be we'd get a kid and they'd play soccer for two months and that was it. Yeah, um, and I think that's drastically changed it. Now, if you if you can give me an athlete that has played soccer for, you know, like I can work with that, you know. Yeah. So, and I think what you're seeing is a lot of that in in all the schools that you know you get more players that are playing now. That's going to level the playing field, and I think it you'll see it a little bit more in the boys and the girls, if in my honest assessment, because um, there are more things that you can do with with the male athletes that you know because I can have a kid that's really fast that might be an X factor in the boys game. Um, typically, the really fast girls are running track or something like we they kind of we we run against other sports in the spring. Yeah, that, overlap. Yeah, that overlap. Um, but so you can see you know public schools that are bubbling up. I, I think it's gotten to the point now where you know it used to be a foregone conclusion when you played a private school you you knew what the what the outcome was going to be and and now it's they're all they're good games. So from and that's from a lot of public schools. So like Rayfield. Um, so let's. I wanted to. Get, I wanted to kind of set the table with that question no, I, because I there was it. that transition. So let's go back to yours. Well, can I? I want to finish your your first your original questions. What do I do? You know, day in the life kind of thing. Because I don't think people understand this. No. So. <laughs> Scouting is a lot easier now because we have huddle. So, you know, but I will, so I look at our schedule and I look ahead. Oh, we're going to play Webster. I get film on Webster. Well, I'm watching Webster's film now at night and getting that ready prepared. So I have something ready for practice before we play them. We have chalk talks before every game and I have to, you know, what are, so what are we going to do based off their formation, based off their players? Um, after we finish a game, I have to upload film. That takes, you know, hour and a half to do to sure. the computer. Um, I run our website. I have a little website. That's kind of my baby. But like, so I have to upload the is pictures. Is it Ladoo Soccer? It's Ladoo Soccer. If you if you Googled Ladoo Soccer, you'd see it. And I, you know, I think for a one man show, it's pretty nice. But I mean, it's my pet project. Um, cool. I, I write recaps of every game. I put pictures up. Um, and we have managers that let, will take the pictures, but I'm the one uploading all that stuff. I mean, so a post game typically runs about two hours post game to wow. do all the stuff. Um, and again, yeah, and you don't no. have a staff. No, that's, that's... Well, you have three kids coming down the pipe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Teach them, them coding. Delegation. <laughs> you know, you'll you'll be in business. Um, and, you know, and we have a large program. We This year on the boys' side, we're going to have 90-plus kids try out for soccer. You know, that's another big thing that's really changed, I think. And I think this is more than just club. I think soccer itself has become so much more popular yeah. Uh, yeah. for the kids growing up. 
you know, kids now are they come to school in in soccer gear. That never happened when I was growing up. I mean, I, I mean how many times do we we talk about this all the time? I joke about it, like. Um, uh, college schools where my kids went the last few years. Uh, we're going to Clark, Clark and Webster High. And a couple of years ago, we were at a Clark function. You go in, and what I noticed from K through five, there were no Cardinal jerseys. Right. There were no Blues jerseys. There was Man U. Yeah. There was Barcelona. I mean, yeah. it's and they'll come in talking about these international games that I'm like, wow. Like, yeah. so it's so readily available on TV, and, and kids are into it. Um, and you know that's changed the landscape. Our football team, our football team's good, but we get about 50, 60 kids that try out for football, and soccer now gets ninety plus. Wow! I'm glad you brought that up twice. So I've done the math because you guys have uh, freshmen. Do you, do you have B team? We have a C team, a JV, and varsity. Uh, so you have three teams. Three teams. So if my math's right, roughly eighteen to twenty per. I keep a very large team, so we will. We JV we keep small on purpose mm-hmm. so we, we'll maybe try to max out at 20 on JV because that's kind of our developmental one um, varsity I'll, I'll roll 25 on varsity okay and I and I typically have to tell the bottom five or six like hey here's the deal yeah you're in here for the experience and, and I, I know you know you're gonna get in some games but like there's gonna be some games that you're not playing in. so so the math is this then apparently you have to cut people there are cuts <laughs> <laughs> and and I think you were famously in a little bit of muck in the mire uh, over a cut, right? This is true. <laughs> this is true. And obviously, you know what I'm doing here. I'm teeing this thing up. Uh, Zach, give, give us give the Soccer Dad Pod overview so that you can ask the question. <laughs> yeah, so in 2018, I believe, you you cut a couple boys on that were juniors yeah. that were going to be... Uh, juniors in, in that, that class, they weren't good enough to make the varsity team. And right. you just said, we like to keep the JV team small because we are developing for the Senior varsity. Right. So I'm assuming your C team can roll pretty deep. C team, we try to keep big. Yeah. I'm a big proponent of not cutting freshmen. If, if, yeah. I, if, I, if we can go without cutting freshmen, that's my... I, I hate their first memory of high school is getting cut. Uh, absolutely. That, so you, you, you have these four kids that get cut um, and one of the parents decides that that's not okay <laughs> and happens to be married to a lawyer who, this is really adding up well <laughs> who, who decides to take Ledoux to court yeah so I'll, I'll that's the setup I yeah. mean and I've read the disposition of the court yeah. I won't steal that thunder from you but um, I would love to kind of understand, because I, I mentioned, I think, three times so far, my wife's in the high school, and she deals with this kind of stuff all the time. And so I hear it firsthand from her, but I don't talk to the coaches about these kinds of things. And not a single coach I've ever heard say, God, you know what my favorite part is? Crushing people's souls. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I've set it up. Can you walk through a little bit of, sure. of, of that? And, you know, I don't know legally what... <laughs> If there's any pending legislation. I don't think there's or- any legislation at this point. Um, I, you know, the worst part of that whole experience is I had to relive the worst part of coaching for that entire season because that, that dragged on into October. So, I mean, it was like a daily reminder of, yeah, you cut this kid, you know, and it's, uh, which was it's well, awful. And the, and the reason it's a daily reminder is because the, the parents 
put a uh, not a gag order a, a, injunction a, a, injunction. injunction and the remedy that they were seeking was to immediately, immediately place on him the on the team. Yeah. Yeah. So to summarize, soccer mom is pissed off that little Johnny doesn't make the cut and sues you. So where was he there during the season? Was he on the sideline? How did that all play out? Because it was surreal. It was very surreal. I can't imagine a larger distraction than that. <laughs> we had... Um, I mean, it, it, obviously, it, it came out after. I I had a pretty good relationship with the kid. I'd taught the kid. Um, I'd send I'd send a nice email to the parents. I and I I make a point whenever I cut a, a kid. We always do face to face. The old days of putting up a list and them look that they see their name or not. <laughs> Hollywood like, style. That's not happening. Pink anymore. slip. Were you so, putting pink slips you know, in on, the in the hallway? <laughs> on, the, on the end of tryouts, like we talk to every single kid. Um, those that make it, those that don't. I, I tell the kid, I'm very, pretty honest with them. Like, here's here are the areas that you need to improve on, yada, yada, yada. Wrote an email to the parents, kind of went over it, had phone conversations with the parents about it. All was cordial. I, there was, I had no, no knowledge of what was coming. Um, and then there was a lawsuit. Um, it became a federal court case. So this was not a small thing. This was a no. we were in federal court because the claim was ageism. And it was um, basically because he was a junior, he, he aged out kind of deal. And the parents really, they weren't even really pushing for him to make varsity. They were pushing for him to make JV. Um, so that was the whole lawsuit. Like they wanted him to, to be on JV. Um, and and was they were kind of, the, the argument was he wasn't on JV because he was too old. So it was an, it was an ageism argument. Right. Um, and there were other things in there. That it, there was sexism thrown in there, too, because on the girls' side, they had claimed I had had juniors on JV, but I wasn't allowing juniors on the boys' side, so there was uh, a gender thing thrown in there, too. So it, it, it was a federal like civil rights court case. Um, now, it turns out that a lot... My, my biggest annoyance and frustration is... The line of questioning, I was, so I was on the court stand. I was in federal court taking questions. And again, if you have, I, I don't know of yeah. any high school coach that has had to do what I've had to do. In that. So you were, you were on the stand? I was on the stand. You were deposed. I knew that. Yeah. But I didn't know that you actually <laughs> so had to. the lawyer was asking me questions. Now, and sworn again, in and all that. All these questions could have been answered here at Obi Clark. Like, I could have just had a sit-down conversation. But it's just, <laughs> I had to have the sit-down conversation in front of a federal judge was the, was the big difference. Hmm. And it turns out a lot of the, a lot of the uh, perceptions that the parents had were, act, were just not true. Yeah. Um, we do allow juniors to be on JV. In fact, I've had juniors on JV almost every year that we've had juniors. Um, but at the end of the day, we, we always, in our program, when we don't see a path to varsity, that's kind of, that's when you get that's cut. That's the end. Yeah. So some for some people, that might be their sophomore year. For some people, that's their junior. For some people, that's their senior. You know, so it has happened to be his junior year. Now, really important question. Did you, during your deposition, remind the court that you were cut on the field <laughs> yeah. during a practice? Yeah. <laughs> I, I would be like, hey, listen. Hey, judge. Uh, <laughs> let me let me, let me me shoot you straight here, judge. I don't <clears throat> freely come out with that story too often. So I didn't want that to be in the federal court case record. Well, let me ask you this. <laughs> because clearly the family had uh, wherewithal power and enough sass to go through with this. 
I'm, I, I respect immensely the position that Ladue High and yourself and your administrators took to challenge it because you guys could have just simply said, let's make this go away. Yeah. Put them on JV. On. What's, what's 20 to 21? Why, why, why fight it? What was, what was the rationale there um, to, to battle that one? What, what was the decision-making process? Well, and, and I have to give a, a ton of credit to our superintendent at the time, um, Donna Janke. Very supportive. Um, my AD, and he was pretty new. This was only his second year. So imagine this getting thrown in your lap in Ew. your second year of AD. <laughs> um, Nick Giannino, who's still AD, had my back 100%. Um, and I think part of the part of the process was they understood my philosophy. My philosophy, you know, like I explained, the JV team was our developmental team. Um there's a purpose for what we're doing here. And and at the, at the end of the day, the judge understood the philosophy too. I mean, so he, even his, in his response, said, you know, looking at this case, like, we understand what Coach Ehrenberg is doing here. Um, and, you know, this, again, this maybe this ties into what we're going to be talking about too. Like, I, I do think high school coaches, by and large, we kind of know what we're doing. Like, we we don't just, like, wake up one day and we're like, oh, well, okay, let's have cuts and let's just kind of, like, you know, like, there there is a process to what we're doing. Yeah. Um, we think long and hard about a lot of the decisions. The decisions are tough. Um, and, well, and, court- and, and like other sports, it was different. And I think you're going to say this, and I know we're going to go to a, a break here in a second, yep. but you have to see these kids every day. Yeah. Sometimes. I mean, not, not in your case, you have a sixth grade class, but some of the coaches that you work with work in the high school. Yeah. And so when they make cuts, it's not like they get to go home and never see that kid again. Yeah. I mean, did the kid try out senior year? He did, he did not. And you know what? I have zero animosity towards the kid. Like, oh, absolutely. Like the kid. Right. No, no, no. I, I've seen him. I've seen him afterwards. Yeah, when I when I read that headline, a million things are going through my head. You know, because obviously we're around this environment all the time. Right. And we we have a almost like a gag reflex to certain styles of soccer parents. You know. Yes. In a number of different situations, and whenever I heard that story. I couldn't imagine like what was legitimately going through their head and like and most importantly, I felt so bad for that kid. Yeah. Because the kid got it. Kids always know. We we joke all the time about thank you. Um, you know, within our world and the kids are like wondering who's gonna start, who's gonna roster, et cetera, right. et cetera. You know, and as parents we're asking, Well, who do you think should or shouldn't and the kids are always right. They know who are who should, right, who can't, who's not doing it. And in the the example, the, that case, that kid probably knew that he, he deserved to be cut. Looking at the you know the the body of it, and it just blows my mind. But you'll be you'd be surprised, JB probably, and and Dave probably isn't. While your case might have gone to federal court, this shit happens <laughs> every day. Oh my god, <clears throat> crazy. I mean, there's there are very few times where there are cuts and. There aren't complaints. I mean, right. that, that's part of the territory. <laughs> yeah. <so>. yeah. Um, <laughs> Just doesn't usually end up in federal court. With, with <laughs> Good Morning hope. America wanting me to get on there. I mean, this was national news. Well, oh, I, I oh, think yeah. this, is, this is a five-year anniversary uh, and, <laughs> and warning to all parents out there. Don't mess with Dave. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're going to roll out. We don't need no education here today. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We're at Obi Clark's today with Dave Ehrenberg from Ledoux High. Um, we're going to refill 
And we're going to be right back, and we're going to talk about Big Bad Clubs, high school's big arm wrestling match. It's almost like a scene from over the top. We're going to see who's going to win. Later. I'm Max, and I'm nine years old. When I'm not playing soccer, jumping on a trampoline, or playing Xbox, with permission, of course, I listen to the Baked In Podcast with Josh Allen. Josh talks to some of the most incredible business leaders in St. Louis. From Maxine Clark of Build-A-Bear to Gerard Kraft, the chief flavor officer for my favorite team, St. Louis City SC. There's something for everyone. If you're interested in the secret sauce of success, check out the Baked In Podcast. Now, back to those old guys. My kids keep messing with my Spotify. Oh, boy. I might as well just play what they were playing. Ready? Okay. All right, here we go. Oh, well. Yeah. We're back. Yeah. Tyler Childers. Little Tyler. Dave, you like Tyler? I'm not too familiar, actually. Ooh. You should listen to the show more. (laughs) 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 I I had to make a correction. What's that? I realized I said pending legislation when we were talking. <laughs> I meant litigation. That's okay. There are no bills going to, right. to the I house like, right that, now. I, as soon as it came out, I was like, that's not the word that I was looking for. Look, Jared's not here. I know. Were you getting texts? Were no, there? no, 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 no. This isn't live. <laughs> oh, that's I, right. I'm, okay. <laughs> so I'm correcting in real time. <laughs> I just... I, it I happens, man. It's the pressure. Yeah, it's right. the two-day hangover. How... <laughs> God bless America. That's right. That's right. <laughs> You're still on it. America. America. Uh, we're sitting down with Dave Ehrenberg today. We are chatting all things cray cray about high school soccer, uh, lit- litigious litigious parents. There you go. Oh, you like that See? one? Um, but now we're going to shift gears a little bit because, um, and I, I think St. Louis is really kind of a, a mecca for this issue, that being uh, club, advanced club, academy, uh, versus high school access, you know, playing playing for your school. Um, and, and I think I think it really resonates here because primarily two reasons. The first reason is the legacy of our high school programs around here. I mean, look, you got a Terry Mickler, you got a Gene Baker. They've got over a thousand victories apiece, you know, nine, Villa, 10 I mean, state. Yeah. yeah. Villa. The, the list goes on and on and on and on. And then you look at the players that those coaches had the privilege of coaching from a Daryl Duran to a David Fernandez to a Pat Noonan and all of this stuff. So you look at the high school environment that, that was made here and it's not a surprise that the quality of the players and kind of the growth and the advancement of clubs, which we talked about earlier in the show, more kids are playing soccer today, even here in St. Louis, than there were 50 years ago. You know, 20 Five. years ago. Five right. years yeah. ago. Yeah. Take your pick. So the, the debate that is always had uh, at dinner tables across the metropolitan area <laughs> hmm. is for those kids that are either clearly in the top flight and or on the bubble or well below the bubble that are trying to determine where they want their soccer careers to go, 
there is this decision that these kids are being forced to make. Uh, that being, do you go to high school and and participate in the the, the team sport soccer in our case uh, at the high school, or do you stay within the club rank and you know train year round and go that path? So that's that's going to be our topic here for the second half because I think th- I mean this thing could be. 17 episodes all by itself but you Dave you've got opinions on this thing you got strong opinions so I just wanted to kind of set the overall table but go ahead and let's make this court-esque let's let's hear the opening statement uh kind of get a feeling for where you're at on this um you know and then we're gonna freestyle from there you think I have strong opinions on this? Is I'm pretty sure you do. You want to see the screenshots? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen them. There you go. So let me start by saying I'm not anti-club. I want to, I want to get that out there. Sure. First and foremost, um, love club soccer. As I, as I mentioned already, we, we are getting better players because of club soccer. Correct. No doubt. The academy system, as it was originally put as a concept... What was the goal of the academy system? U.S. national team. Professional. Yeah, pro rep. Path to pro. Yep. City has changed that. City has upset the apple cart. Because when City came through, they are the path to pro. They are a pathway to pro. <coughs> there is a, a clear path all the way up through the MLS team. And I think if you asked high school coaches around St. Louis, I think to a person... They would say, we, get, we understand that. There, there are people in that top 1% where that is going to be, that's the path. All right? Um, but I think you have to start with what the goal of the academy is. And, and if that is the goal, if, the, if it's path to pro, then you, that, that's where you have to go from there. Now we have two other academies that are jumping in. And I've heard rumors there's going to be a third that's also going to jump in on top of what we already have. If you even look at the way that it's branded now, the other academies are not branding it as path to pro. It is path to college. All right, and my argument's always been, we already have a path to college. That, you're, you're solving a problem that doesn't exist. All right, we've, we've not had an issue with kids getting into colleges. And so when you're marketing that this is your way to get to college, that's where I have... That's, that's where I take exception to it. And, and I, there were some eye-opening things. I've had conversations, as I've been vocal on Twitter, I've had a lot of coaches that have talked to me about this. Um, and I've had some really eye-opening conversations. Um, City had a bunch of high school coaches down uh, a few weeks ago. It was awesome. Yep. yep. Really saw, cool. Saw the photos. Um, <clears throat> Twelman, fantastic. I mean, used to be a high school coach. Tim. Really understands how important high school soccer is to the St. Louis fabric, to the community. Um, had a bunch of us out there. Their facilities are amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, if you're a kid that can make the City Academy, I, I don't know why. I mean, I, you would never hear me say, don't play for City. You'd never hear me. Yeah, you, well, there's zero reason to. Especially I mean, on the early years, you, you're going to get in there, you're going to try it, and you're going to see if you can stomach it, Yeah. Uh, thrive, and if you don't, then you have decisions that you need to make. I'll tell you, I was a little surprised to find that there were not stands for the um, 
for the parents to watch the games? <laughs> oh, it's it's worse than that now. It's uh, yeah, I mean, they I mean, put the club, like shields around. Right? Yeah, the they club did. is not aware that these kids have parents. Right. So they that's <laughs> yeah. Then their kids can't drive. Because I was I was looking at the facilities and I'm like, so where do the parents sit? And like, there are no. I mean, it's almost. I guess they discourage right. Parent. It's I mean, not a priority. I think right. would be the way they would put it. Okay. Well, I mean, but these are young kids. <laughs> At the same time, and I'd probably want to see my kid. Yeah, I don't know, I, you know, let, let's. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, and, and, and I don't want to get off the rails. From no, 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 no. <laughs> I love getting off the rails. I mean, yeah, exactly. That's his thing. It's my calling card. Um, but let, let's let's start with the expansion of academy teams here in St. Louis. Realistically, Gallagher was ultimately they were first. Yeah. They they were Nimbus next uh, club. Um, Fuse had a few teams at the lower age groups. Um, you know, now you have City that is ultimately pulling the best of the best from yep. those clubs. Um, you know, and Gallagher in particular, out of the other clubs, they're losing kids 50, 60% of a team. I going. was going to say maybe even higher, like 75%. Like it? Yeah. The, the roster's a Gallagher roster. So last year, our team was 70%. Pretty close. Yeah, the 23 kids. If you include the Illinois Gallagher, it was over 15 kids that yeah, came from. Yeah, this year it's kind of the same. So yeah. so Gallagher is the one, you know, it, it, you talk about the disrupted apple cart. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the cart that's been most disrupted. Um, but they still seem to, they're competing. For example, the U15 MLS Next Gallagher Academy team finished first in their division. You know, and this is... Played, played... In the the uh, playoffs against the eventual yep. national champion and held their own and held their held them nil nil until the 60th minute. Yeah. So so I think that and where where I'm going with this is the 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 club's willingness and readiness to kind of rebrand from uh, pro path to collegiate path. Um, it's just not normal collegiate path, though. They they are they're clearly leaning into a lot of D one placements. Um, you know, find any club in the country that if they had the ability or the player development that could result in hell two D one players, that would be amazing. But these clubs here, they're pumping out five, six, seven plus off of these teams. So I think the collegiate path is there. I think high schools, it's. Yes, there's a collegiate path there. I, I, I just don't... I, I see both as necessary in the current market um, because of their ability to pull it off. It's relationships. Yeah. That's the other part of it. You yeah, know? it is. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked to Kevin Robeson. He mentioned he's at, at IU. He's got three kids that played in high school that are going to IU in the fall. And we've debated, Jared, JB, and I... Uh, sometimes fiercely <laughs> this topic because I tend to fall I disagree with, with JB and Jared on a couple key elements but I think that the high school game is still such a critical part because the other theme we hear we even talked about it with, with Shep Messing is the desire to win so ability to win and the ability to win so technically we have a much better group of kids coming up every single year. And what I mean by that is they have technical skills that when we were growing up, nobody sure. had really no maybe one in a million. 
they are learning these skills at five, four, even earlier in some cases. So from a technical level, they're, they're doing great. But when they get into the system, whether it's you know through the club or now through the academy, they're playing for something, but they're not playing for that camaraderie that you were talking about with your team. They're not walking the halls with their jersey on and everybody's you know looking forward to the game on Friday or playing their rivals across the, the, the street. Right. Um, and so there is an element of that, that that is missing from the club side of it. And we've talked about it ad nauseum. Do, do you think it's do you think it's going to maintain to be a contentious landscape or do you think there are reasons or pathways to work together better with these clubs from the high school perspective? I think 100 percent we would love to work with clubs. I, I think that that's never been an issue. And I, and I always kind of make this argument. I'll have parents like, oh, you're anti-club. I'm not. I'm really not. And you're not hearing me. I never tell a kid, don't go play club. Right. But that's not the same thing that I'm hearing on the other side. And so what I'm seeing is there's a few things that's really changing right now. Kids are starting to play a lot earlier and kids are getting on this this academy pathway. I mean, I teach sixth grade, so I'll have a sixth grader that will tell me, well, I'm not going to play for you in high school. I'm like in sixth grade, buddy. Like, settle down. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you know, well, I'm a pre-academy, you know. And I'm like, yeah. Okay. Wait till right. you meet puberty. <laughs> yeah. So then let's talk. But uh, but again, as a high school coach, I, I guess I'm fortunate because I'm in sixth grade, so I might, you know, I might see these kids a little bit before high school. But by the time they get to high school, they've already kind of their path has been set, and it's really hard for a kid who's on this path to then get into high school and as a freshman be like. Oh, you know what? I'm just gonna jump off this path and go try out this high school thing. I mean, it's it's new. The you know change is difficult um, for parents and for and for the kids. So I think that um, you know plays into this situation right now. Let me throw this out a little bit. I, I want to hear your thoughts, JB, and and yours, Dave. Because when we had Jared in back on, he talked about how he counsels incoming freshmen in college or sophomores and juniors in, in high school about how the enticing part of, you know, the, the MLS two teams are or the USL and how financially here are some things you need to think about before you jump on that path. Cause you think you're going to be a pro college is still an Avenue. And so now I think you're having similar conversations with kids in sixth and seventh grade. Right. Cause now there's potentially four academies that they can maybe play on instead of going to high school. And so I think those discussions are going to become more relevant because you can have an argument and say, listen, you could go to club a and play on their academy. Well, okay. So let me, let me, here's my take on that. Yeah. Uh, first part of that is we are talking about 12 to 14 year old kids. Yeah. Realistically, that's yeah. the transitional sure. period. They are maybe really good at school maybe exceptional at soccer, maybe a great big brother or sister, but they are not mature enough to be able to evaluate a multi-year decision such as Pathway. I wasn't ready in college to make a, that decision. <laughs> yeah, By the way, I'm not talking about the kids. Decision. I just I'm learned a couple <laughs> years ago. I'm, I'm talking <laughs> about the, the overall familial decision right. on where to go. This is where I'm going with this. I think the core issue... In this whole debate, I don't think it's clubs. 
I don't think it's high school's inability or lack of maybe communicating. I don't think it's pay to play. I don't think it's, well, we have better ID camps. I don't think it's any of that. I think it's parents who are have not done their own legitimate homework and have looked in the mirror, specifically at their little Johnny or Jamie, to, to, to really evaluate what is important to them and where do they really fall in this hierarchy. You know, because when you have these families that are on the cusp, that are on the bubble, an elite or an ECNL player that's, yeah, you know, maybe middle of the pack on that team. If you're middle of the pack on an ECNL team, that means there's probably 10 players above you that still haven't made the team that you think you need to be on. That's a big hurdle to jump. But who's having those conversations with that parent? I'm saying nobody is. Right. right. Because so, because clubs want the money. Yeah. See, there it is. And, and because it's a business. And we all know that. It, it is what it is. So I often say, and as a high school coach, I always feel like I'm one of the first people that... that gives a reality check and my kids my kids play club my kids have gone through club I mean they're going through club and you know if you're not cutting it at a certain level you know the club doesn't want to lose you so they'll drop you down to another you know like there's different pathways you're going to stay in (laughs) but to your point that exact scenario what happens is when the club is honest with a kid and makes the decision as to what level of team they're on and when they go down it's not the kid that's like I want to leave. It's the parents that yes. are like, my kid's better than that. Exactly. And then they are the ones that pulled in. So this unrealistic expectation starts and stops with the parents. Because you guys, you, you are no different than the vast majority of uh, Premier League, you know, ECNL coaches, etc. In so much that you're, you know your players, you know who deserves to play, you know who's a starter, and you know who needs to be cut or moved down. Right. So when you guys do that, you guys being all of you coaches, club included, the people that take it the worst and then proceed to make even worse decisions are the parents. Yeah, I'm with you. And I don't have any argument with that point. I really don't. Because it it is, these are 12-year-old, 13-year-old kids. It's not really up to them in most situations. I'm going to jump in a little bit on that too, though. I know parents who understand everything that you're saying, mm-hmm. and they might even understand that maybe they, they don't see their kid as going to go play professionally shoot. Maybe they're not going to play high, high D1. I mean, who knows? But they don't want to be the one that steps in their kid's dream. Yeah. So they let their kid make that decision, and you just kind of sit and you're like, oh, okay. You know? So it's, it's really tough right now. Now, I think ultimately the proof's going to be in the pudding. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take a couple years. Yeah. For this to all kind of shake out, and and I don't know if clubs are going to do this, but I mean, if you're if you're advertising this is path to college, then these kids better be getting. <laughs> it's going to show up. These kids better be getting the top level colleges, and yep. and I'm only saying this because that's what they're advertising. And so if all of a sudden it's not, and you're going to schools, my my argument with a lot of these kids that are making this decision is, I think they're going to be able to go to the same schools whether they play academy or they play high school, high-level ECNL ball. Because right now what I'm seeing with the kids that are quote-unquote academy players, the, it's, it's watered down. It's not the same level of talent. We're not talking about the top one percenters anymore. Academy is supposed to be one percenters. And you're not, you're not seeing one percenters that are playing academy now. And so for me, that's the level of frustration. And, and, it, and I'm sad. I mean, I'm frustrated. I'm also sad because they're missing out on an experience that you don't get to hit that reset button. 
you have your entire life to be an adult. You know, like you get high school one time. That's one time. And I've had kids. We had a really good year a couple years ago. We were second in state. I had a kid that was right on the fence. And he, he chose Academy and he came up to me after and he goes, Coach, I made the wrong decision. And I was like, I know, but there's no, can't reset it. You know? Yeah, and I, I like the pitch. I really do. And I think this is a debate that's going to go on for a long time. And I don't think there's going to be a solid winner. I think you... No, I, I think I think at the end of the day, the winners will be kids over time because parents will slowly, in organizations in high schools, will figure out the market a, will shape a, itself. a better way to, yeah. to, to build it. But to a degree, <clears throat> you, you, said, you just said it, the market shapes itself, right? Why is there... You know why? Why did we just add an, an, another academy level club? Why is there a rumor of a, yet another MLS academy level club? It's not because our marketplace can support it from a true talent standpoint. It's because our marketplace can support it due to logistics and parents willing to pay. Needing income, yeah, it, it is. But I think I think Dave's right though that you know after a couple of years of multiple, you know. DA groups or MLS academies here, if one is still pumping out D1 scholarships and pro paths and the other three are not. Yeah. Well, let, let, let's do this. Dave, question for you. Yep. Let, most of these MLS academies that, that have players in the age group groups that would benefit your team, uh, they're going to be carrying 20 to 22 kids. The, the bottom five, again, these are f- five kids. That, all the kids on those teams, they know who those five are. And those five players know that they are one of the bottom five. Yeah. What's your pitch to them? One of them lives in the Ladue School District. Right? Hypothetical, hy- hypothetical. Just had this conversation a week ago. So what's the pitch? How can you, here's, your, here, here's an opportunity, you know, because there's going to be parents, a lot of parents are going to listen to this, that all think their kids are top three when they're realistically probably one of the bottom five? This is law of averages? So this this kid, not even probably, the club straight up told him, you're like number 19. And he came and he said, coach, I've got, you know, like, I've got this tough decision. And here, here's, here are the facts. I said, all right, well, so here's my pitch. I said, if you play for us, you're gonna be top three on our team. You might be playing a different position than you play for your academy. You're gonna get to become a leader on the team. You're going to get to obviously have the camaraderie and the experience that, that an academy's not going to have. And, and listen, these academies are great. They're all filled with great players, but no one cares. At the end of the day, like when you go around school, like no one cares that you're playing academy. No one. And no one's going to remember that you played academy. There's no, there's no legacy that happens with playing at these clubs. And you guys know, you, I think you guys played club growing up. I mean, clubs change. Think the land, shoot, the landscape's changing every couple of years now. Like, there's no, like, allegiance to, well, I played on this. Like, no, no. The clubs are for you individually. Oh, yeah. The high school's for the, the front of the, of the jersey, you know? And, and there's something very powerful about that. And I also, I, I really make the pitch now, and I think high school coaches have been a really poor job of doing this traditionally. I think we are getting better about pitching ourselves. Because I think, I mean, I've been a high school coach for a long time. I haven't really jumped in this debate for all the years I've coached. So, so let, me, let me ask a second part to this well, question. Can I finish this first? Let me yeah, finish yeah. the first Go part. Is, I think, obviously, everyone says high school is going to be more fun. I don't, I don't think there's even a debate about that. High school is more fun. We know that. 
But I also think there are huge things that high school can do developmentally that a club might not do. You, you're going to hear from a different voice. All right? And in, in a lot of cases, that's huge. I loved your interview. I'm forgetting who you guys interviewed. He said his, his best growth was during high school at Melville. Um, who was that? Otto. Otto. Otto, yeah. Otto, yeah. I, and to me, I was like, just put that on replay. You know, this is a kid that's. Hey, feel free to share that episode whenever you want. (laughs) We love the promo. Um, And if you talk to professionals, like you can talk to a lot of professionals that say they grew the most during high school. You are going to be doing a ton of things. So I'm totally going to interject here because I think there's two parts to your reply and what you're pitching here. What you're really pitching is kind of a guttural. It's an emotional reality of high school soccer. The, the benefits of it from, you know, again, wearing that crest across the front of the shirt. And look, you're talking, to a, you're talking to a public school kid. You know, I went to Granite. All we cared about was it was either you win state or it's a failed year because that's the legacy, right? And, you know, 2,000 people at a home game. And all, I went through that. So I am 100%, 200% in the camp of the emotional equity that you get out of a high school environment with your friends there and your peers and your family and all that, you can't create that. It just doesn't exist at the MLS level. No, not even. But, I mean, there is one, I will <clears throat> put one caveat before your butt. The, the playoffs. only caveat is the playoffs when all the other kids who don't have that experience yep. go down and support the teams that are in the finals. And when they score or they win you know, on a nuts. winning goal, it's it's the other club bedlam. teams that are there. Yeah, all these other kids just come out and mob these kids. So, but other than that, you're you're absolutely right. So here's where I'm going with this: that pitch that I asked you to make, that you that you eloquently made, that I am reiterating because I lived it myself. That's a pitch to the kid. What's the pitch to the parent? Because parents have already lived past it. It's not their as much as they love their kid. And they want to see their kid thrive, and they would love to be there on Friday Night Lights, and you know, their their, yeah. their son win the so, finals. Again, know, I had, had this conversation with the parent same last week, and the pitch there is again it goes back to the why. So why are you doing academy? And again, that has shifted. It's parents are not really saying well because they want to go pro. Like that's not really the conversation. But they want this is they want to get a better shot at college. Now, my, my rebuttal to that is if you play for a good competitive high school, Ladue's a good competitive high school, um, you aren't going to be regressing in skills in that two and a half months that I see you where your chances of going to play in college are going to decrease. And I firmly believe that playing high-level club ball and high school still is a good pathway to get to college. And again, but this is why we're going to have to wait a couple years to see. Now, I could be totally wrong. Maybe every single well, here's, kid. So here's the thing. You're not wrong. I think what what the argument I hear on the other side, for the, the pro academy side, is we were just in Dallas. And it was god-awfully hot and miserable. <laughs> but... It was 182. Why go south in the summer? I don't. I don't even want to. Dave, that's a whole other thing. (laughs) Minnesota wasn't available. But so the the 17s that were for for city were in the 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 playoffs. I talked to because we've interviewed and tangentially know. I talked to at least 10 Division One college coaches and recruiters just for one game, and that's the ones that I knew. 
and you can see them. They they stand out like a sore thumb because they all have yeah. umbrellas and they're just miserable. They Wait, got but, all their gear. But can yeah. I interject here? Yeah. Your son plays for which team? For City. Okay. No, no. I'm I'm not making the art. What I'm saying is, I'm not suggesting that that's the case for every academy. Right. I'm not. In fact, <laughs> JB knows I'm I'm not. I don't know if that's going to be the case for every academy team that plays. In fact, when we were there, we were not in the in the playoffs. We were in the showcase. We didn't have that. Now we did at uh, in in California. Yeah. We did in Florida. But when we were in the showcase. We had very few college scouts at our games. Yeah. So my point is, I think that you can make that pitch. I think the parents can understand that. And I think the proof, I'm just going to repeat what I said. The proof is going to be in the data in the following years, which is, okay, so I made you know Club B's academy team. We went to the showcase in Dallas. None of our kids got calls. None of our kids and, got... And so, again, when a kid in the past has been academy, I could tell they were academy level. If you didn't tell me they were academy, I could tell you they were academy in the first minute I watched them. Because a lot of times these kids, even in the academy, they'll, they still want to play with their buddies. They'll come out to the summer stuff we run. Oh, yeah. Oh, and totally. it's like, you, you're yeah. like, one minute you're like, whoa! <laughs> yeah. You're like, this is the year! <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> and then you meet them and you're like, damn it! I'm like, if this kid played, holy cow. But because we're getting so many more it's not like you it's not like you make academy and then there's a magic wand and woof you know like no, 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 you're no, high yeah, level no, D1 absolutely so not I just I feel like because it's broadening so much right now there's gonna be a harsh reality time and that's that's gonna be sad well look, okay, so we've we've been primarily talking about um, or alluding to the, the boys side in particular are you seeing the same issue uh, on the girls' side, and what does that look like, you know, without a true MLS Next right. league yet, or that's fully developed? There's a few that are percolating. Yes, uh, you are primarily dealing with ECNL as the highest level player. Mm-hmm. What's it look like on the girls' side? Um, you know, are you starting to running into the same speed bumps? The girls' side, I'm even more opposed to the academy system because, again, academy's path to pro. There is no path to pro on the girls' side. So ECNL has has pledged to continue to allow kids to play high school. And I think when you look at most girls really enjoy, I mean, they really enjoy playing with their friends. Yeah. They tried this a few years ago to to make a a spring team, and it, it fell on its face because kids wanted to play with their friends. Well, let's let's be clear. There is a professional league. Sure. And there is, there is Europe. There, there are paths, but but there's no there, from a from a percentage standpoint, it's not the same. And there's nothing. You know, this is MLS Next, which is supposed to lead to an MLS team. There is no there's no NWSL Next Next. Right. Well, the one thing about MLS Next, and we'll go back to the voice side here just for a second for a point of reference, is that the Path to Pro, um, because it's a single entity league specifically for MLS affiliate clubs like City SC, sure. like Chicago Fire, um, it's, yes, they want players on the first team. They want more players on their city, quote, city two sure. for development. But they also want to sell kids. 
They, they want European money. Um, that's the other path to pro. So they have a lot more avenues. And frankly, USL. USL is becoming uh, a legitimate, viable option to develop players and sell them to another professional league. So there's a lot of layers to it. Whereas five years ago, if you had a U17 MLS Next team, God, if you could pull two kids off, that would be amazing. But that number now is realistically four, five, six. Yeah, yeah. It's growing quickly. You're saying at any level of the profession. I'm saying on the boys' side, the way that the the MLS Next is, is advancing, and frankly, not so much the league itself, but the pathways. There's They're, a pecking order, and, and, and we've had so many coaches that have talked about this, where we've had D1 coaches come in and say, when I go to watch an academy team, if I see the top two players... I don't even worry about them because I know they're, they're not going. going to college. Yeah. And if I see the third and fourth players, they're probably doing MLS Next Pro or USL. Yeah. So now I'm looking at five down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'm wondering, are they good enough to even help me play? So then they're looking at Europe. They're looking at the transfer right. window or portal. So on the girl side, I just I was just telling JB on the way over here, uh, I, I learned about the GA, GA. which is an up-and-coming are you familiar? Yeah, with- so this this is what I was getting into. The ECNL basically <laughs> has made the stand that we're going to let our kids play high school still. Right. Um, the GA, which Fuse plays in the GA. There might be others, but I know Fuse I is in it. Fuse is the only St. Louis team the right, only now. right now. But I think uh, SDA might be might moving try. into the GA, yeah. yeah. So they are starting to dip their toe into the playing year-round. And I've already had kids you know, eighth grade, ninth grade, because this is going to be the first year they try to do this, that are saying, well, I'm, you know, I'm deciding between playing year-round and or, or playing for high school. Um, and again, it's the same thing I say is we have a very solid path to college. We have a very solid path to college. Um, and by and large, if you talk to girls, that that's, you know, that's what they'd like. They'd like a pathway to college. There are going to be some that want to go professionally. I don't know if, if the GA... The GA is, is designed, from what I heard, I, I, the president was speaking uh, on a, a, a friendly show of ours um, with Jen Cease on KMOX, talking about how they are trying to create a linear path to the NWSL or Europe through their GA. Yeah. So I, I, I do think it's going to become competitive. Now, right now, they have 90 teams total yeah right in the entire well, it's, new. Me, it's new right let, let me, let me, let's spitball here yeah let's come up with ideas I like it what, what if you, what if you did this what if you and your fellow high school coaches the the Timmy Veltons of the world the Terry Micklers you know all of them what if you guys came up with a true all-star game a true STL high school showcase every one of you guys Three players piece, right? Do something to create an accelerated or an advanced uh, showcase, mm-hmm. right? Because you're talking about what we're really talking about for all these kids is path to college. All of these scouts, the reason why they're leaning yep. heavily this into MLS important. and ECNL is because they know exactly where those kids are going to be. Right. And they're going to be there three times a it's year. It's easy. It's easy. Yeah. You're not gonna, and I and I don't even try to lie to kids. Like, sure. you're not getting scouted through high school. Like, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I I do get local colleges that'll go to here. Sure. And there. But St. Louis is in a unique position, not only historically, 
uh, from a foundational standpoint, but the connections that we have that everybody sure. has. A guy like Terry Mickler, right? Oh, yeah. Terry who, Mickler who doesn't he know? <laughs> right. <laughs> but the ability, and if, if St. Louis were to roll out, in essence, uh, an all-star game or a reiteration or a rebirth of like tournament champions, something like that, to where once a year... You know, it's it, 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 these these scouts would know that it's these you know kids, etc. But it's here's a hotbed, and here's where you're going to find those kids that were not on your radar that should have been on your radar. Well, and I think you know, Ian Henry, who hopefully we're going to have on at some point, mm-hmm. uh, is now the assistant at Lindenwood with uh, Chris. He was starting that at Gallagher, inviting high school kids to come on for an ID camp yep. for colleges. And I think in that partnership you talked about, Dave, with these clubs, yeah. I think there are avenues where if you've got a star, if you've got a kid who just grinds it out and you know it's got the talent and has the ability to go that level, obviously you can make the inroads and call right. that coach right. uh, or you know the school. But I think a showcase of, of that yeah. would be, I, I mean... I don't know, spitballing. We, I like so, <laughs> and again, I think... Butch what? is in. I already talked to him. What has happened because of the, <laughs> the apple cart changing? I have seen more activity on the high school coaches side than I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. We had a, we had a meeting of all high school coaches about two months ago. It was a sit down meeting with the grand poobahs of high school soccer, and I made it there somehow. Which was I was like looking around. Congratulations! I, yeah, like <laughs> why am I here? <laughs> well, because you beat you won in federal court. <laughs> They're like, we've got to have this but guy on you're our talking team. Teflon Dave over here. You're talking yeah. about the, the who's who of high school soccer. And, sure. And your idea is something that was talked about, um, a Champions League type of environment where, like, the top schools, like, yeah. have games where they're, you know, showcase-type games. Um, and, I, and I think there's work to do on the high school side. I, I think if you followed my Twitter, a lot oh, of my oh, rants. He does. I read them. <laughs> a lot of my rants have to do with our, our playoff system, which I think needs a major overall. I think one of the ways that, that the club really does better than high school, not in terms of technical development, but in terms of, of getting kids at the right level. And I think our high school system is really bad in the playoffs of, of getting teams to play the right level teams. Mm. So when I see in the playoffs that teams are getting mercied left and right, it, to me it's a huge... It's a huge point of contention. It, um, yeah, we see that we see those scores, and it's like yeah. so, somebody did not plan this out. Well, <laughs> yeah, well so, and something. so I'm, to me, that's something that we can focus on on, on the Missouri high school side. I, I love the the all star game idea. I think there's lots of things that we can do, and St. Louis is very different because well, we have so many good competitive schools. We have so many good coaches in the in the area it, it's very different than other areas well so i think the whole idea of like an all-star game would be high schools historically they're really all about the crown jewels it's about those kids you know for example uh oliver over at webster this yeah. past year right just gatorade player of the year in missouri right it, it, the players like that they really represent the high school and that program Yep. And when you can put them all on the field... I have, a, I have an idea. Let's hear it. I love idea. Today's idea of Wednesday. High school version of TST. Ooh. Hell yeah. So it's like 7v7, small-sided games, really showcases the skills, quick, boom, boom, boom. It's entertaining. It could be fundraisers for the schools, and you get That's eyeballs. actually a very good idea. You go to a small-sided games... 
five five six six seven yeah. seven, yeah. where you roll out your your top five seniors at the end of the year, and it's like yeah. an honor to be selected. And then you go, and inevitably in those groups would be the marquee players. You guys have been to the senior all star, the Mac senior all star game, but the problem is it's. It's their seniors. Like it's a, it's too late. At that yeah, point. yeah. At that point, that's not that's <laughs> these need to be the, the top kids in your program right. at that time. If you've got a sophomore standout right. who didn't make the academy team for city, right. but wants to continue Ooh, to play a new Turkey Bowl tournament, something like that, I think would be <laughs> brilliant. And we're talking with Terry later, so I'm going to get some more juice on this. But um, I think you're right, Dave. I think he's he's staring at us like. You guys are whack. No, no, no. I don't. I, He's not taking notes. <laughs> well, I'm the one. No, I'm notebook. just kidding. I, I think that it's, it is an, at this point, because high school soccer dominated up until 2014. Realistically, yeah. In this area, you, high school coaches didn't have to. I mean, you had to do a ton of scouting, ton of work, but you didn't have to recruit players. No, and no, that's had, true. You didn't have to sell them on playing for you because that's what you're zoned for the school you played you're a soccer player you're going to play for us i do think this is like i said i I, i've just seen more energy and activity with high school coaches because i think a lot are saying okay well we need to we need to start marketing ourselves because i think if you talk to any high school coach we obviously believe in what we're doing yeah and and we know the importance of what we're doing and it's it's more than just a ego like oh i can't believe they're choosing this over our team like there we believe that high school is an important part of the development well and jb is the biggest proponent i mean he talks about granite city all the time and his his time with gene and and all that stuff i know you would love for beckett to have a similar experience to what you had but you also know the payoff or not the payoff the the trade-off and so it sucks. Can I can I put another yeah. caveat that I always think about too, though? I've had tons of kids that have gone on and played in college. All right. The amount of times where a kid get injured their freshman year of college and then they're done, or they go to college and they realize, whoa, <laughs> this is a job, and I don't I don't necessarily like this anymore. Right. And, I mean, and and yeah. that's we're not talking a small percentage. No, we're talking. The vast majority. Well, that's why they don't, there's one percent is likely to go pro. I mean, you got a lot of kids who are physically capable, but then they hit a lot of different. And we're not things. even. And I'm not even talking about the pro. I'm just saying in college. And we're not even getting into how that landscape's changing with uh, international players coming in and the transfer and the, portal and the lack of. There's not a ton of scholarships. There's there's. I think every parent <coughs> thinks there's just scholarships going off trees. Nine point yeah. nine. Nine point nine. There's not that it's the, many. It's the out Bueller there. ratio. Nine <laughs> times. So nine. you know, you come back to this kind of just realistic point. Like for the vast majority, we're talking ninety-seven percent of high school players. Like this is the pinnacle. And when that, when you start seeing the ten percent. A skew high school like that that to me is where we're you know like uh. yeah well let me play devil's advocate for just two seconds here because we're about to wrap up here too we've been, we've been doing it for a minute here um realistically like at at ladue high uh i know at webster um slew has a rather large number but really what we're talking about is a very small number of players i think there's eight right now at ladue now we've had a couple that are coming back from academy, 
So our, we were going to be in double digits, but a couple have already told me. But that you're talking about per age group that are at the school. No, 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 no. no. Throughout the whole senior. school, freshman through senior. It's a, it's a small number. Now here's the other thing: families have made the conscious decision. Many of these families uh, that now that the kids are in the academy system, um, there's that path. Ten years ago, if their child was going to be accelerated, you know, playing soccer, they would have been looking at a CBC, at a private True. school. Yeah. So you're starting to see the diaspora, right, of players from that are part of academy systems that are now really, st- quote, staying at home, which are more and more public school participation, et cetera, because they're on that other path. Sure. We're not talking about a huge number. But we are talking about enough kids that could make a difference on a team. So is... Well, but again, I'll go back to the, you know, I'm going to have about 90 kids show up. Eight are academy. Now, you're so you're talking 10%. And the academy is supposed to be 1%. Now, I'm not biased enough to think that Ledoux just has (laughs) the best players in the entire area. I don't think... No, because they're Webster. (laughs) Hey, <laughs> settle down over there. We have settle three from down. Lafayette, by the way. Just, oh. just saying. Um, and that's out in Ellisville, Wildwood. So, well, I think your point is you, you, you're JB saying it's not a big number. Yeah. But in a team with 11 players that are on the field, one or two make a huge difference for a program. Totally get that. Totally agree. Well, so, and I'm, I'm going to. I might even contradict myself a little bit here. I do think there are times when academy might be the right choice. Um, now, I, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to go and kind of maybe do get the counter argument. <laughs> but we're recording everything, by the way. <laughs> if you if you don't think you're going to make varsity, and I, I think one of the travesties here is you don't know what team you would make until you have to make the academy decision. But sure. If you're going to make JV, you know you're a freshman. You're not going to make varsity probably academy might be the right choice all right now again i still think very strongly in the community and development and all that stuff um but the experience is not the same jv as varsity sure. i think we could say that pretty honestly now at the same time i would my counter would be if you're not making varsity at a public high school are you an academy player i and i don't know maybe i mean there there could be an argument maybe you're the top of that age group and you might be small <laughs> well here's here, here's what we're going to do because that would be episode 2 um, <laughs> yeah. because realistically you, when now we're getting into what does the team really need because there's a kid yep. that theoretically would could not make a high school team but because of their style or physique or sure. whatever is that perfect fit for a right. particular MLS. Yeah. So we could we could do this all day, night. Um, we're we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to call it. I'm going to call the ball. Because no, I think got, it's great. I think I'm glad you're calling it. And here's why. I think we're not. We haven't gotten to the circular talking yet. We haven't. We've made good points. Dave has, I think, articulately pitched the value of a high school opportunity for both girls and boys. I think you, JB, have articulated very well the value that an academy program can have. I'm Switzerland. But there's always that gray area, and I think that's the, the gray area is darkening and thickening, and that's, I think, the biggest challenge. I agree. So here's what we're going to do, because I, I believe we have it on the calendar. Yeah, July 31st. So we're going to be sitting down with a few of your peers, uh, and we're going we're to dig deeper into this over time, because I think there's a lot of families... 
um, we, 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 we joke about it, we mentioned it a little while ago, that the problem is not the kid. We, we expect the kid to make bad decisions because they're kids. <laughs> we, we feel that the issue is educating parents. And I think that's where high school coaches like yourself, your peers, uh, academies, you know, everybody walks this fine line and they're all afraid to tell the truth. <laughs> you know, the, it really, the, I mean, truly. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Uh, so we're, we're going to keep this going. We're gonna, and we'll, we'll, we'll keep you informed. We'll probably inevitably have you back on with another roundtable. We're going to talk about this because there's a ton of stories uh, pertaining to the decision-making process for everybody involved. So I think it's going to be fun. I appreciate you Love coming it. on, man. I, I mean, I think as a high school coach, we are just happy that you guys are giving us a voice to get our our opinions out there. I, mean, I don't know if this has really happened before. So it's a great opportunity for people to just hear the other side because I don't think it's heard a lot. We appreciate that and we're, we're glad you're here. And we do honestly and truly want to hear more about the effect that these decisions are happening are having on all areas of our of our ecosystem which Look, is it's our kids lives absolutely yeah. i mean that's really what it comes down to you know you you want them to thrive yeah and it's about choice yep agree so well we're going to wrap it up here we are at ob clark's with coach dave from ladue high really appreciate your time man um we'll be in touch for another return trip Zach, thank you. Yes, sir. As always. Thank you, Jared. I know you're going to listen all the way to the end. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you next time. Hey, give us a follow. Share with a friend. We appreciate all the support, and we're out of here.